Welcome to the Getting My Act Together podcast for Tuesday, September 21st, 2021. Thanks for joining the program. I hope you're doing well. And if you're a comic who listened to the last podcast because you thought I was going to talk the whole time about what it is to be part of a stand-up comedy scene, as I mentioned in the show description, sorry if it was a little bit of a... I didn't mean for it to be a bait-and-switch or a clickbait thing. What happened, and, and what I mean is... I didn't really start talking about stand-up and what it means to be part of the scene a little bit and how you're among kindred spirits who, despite whatever they have going on in their life, they generally, lives, they generally put, you know, one foot in front of the other and fucking get up there and tell your jokes, talk your shit, and you have that over people who don't. And it's not about being better than people that, that aren't, even though I'm trying to be better than everybody. <laughs> well, you have a long way to go, you fucking jerk. Anyway. I realized I didn't start talking about it until later in the program. And what happened was, what had happened was, I was so kind of high on the idea of talking about the scene when I was finished that when I wrote the description, it was like, Joe talks about how cool it is, the joy of being part of a comedy scene. And and I don't know if anybody feels like it was clickbait or, or bait and switch, but I, I, apo- I, I apologize. That was not my intention to... I I was just, did I not make that clear what I just said? The description makes it, the description of the last episode, You Are So Beautiful, makes it seem like I'm going to be talking about the joy of being a stand-up comedy, part of a stand-up comedy scene for 35 minutes or however long the episode was. But really, I only did it toward the end of the episode. And the euphoria or the excitement of talking about it and thinking about how fortunate, not lucky, fortunate I am to be part of the scene compelled me to describe the show the way that I did so if you're like god damn dude that took a long time to get to the comedy part I apologize for that and thank you for for listening to the rest of it I I did not mean to mislead you so and also I realized at the end of that last podcast I mentioned I mentioned going to the toddler's birthday party was uneventful was fun um, but also when I, when we uh, I left you hanging, like will the man from the episode titled Pantera Swimming Lesson, what will become of him and his daughter? And if you don't recall what I was talking about from that episode, in my daughter's swim swim class swim lesson on Saturdays, there was a guy who looks a bit like a meddler, looks a bit like a Hessian. Long hair, some, you know, there's some violence, to, there's some medievalness to his tattoos on his back. <laughs> and in his chest, he has a he has a pentagram tattoo. And he's, you know, we're having a good time with the, the kids in the pool. And a couple weeks ago, his daughter was being super defiant. And he was, he was fighting fire with fire. Fight fire with fire, fight fire with fire. Which is, as you know, a Metallica song. He was trying to, he's like, no, sit. He was trying to scold her, but she wasn't having any of it. And the point I was making previously is like, well, dude, you got a fucking pentagram in the middle of your chest. What do you expect from her? Well, update on that story. When we got to swim practice on, or whatever it's called, swim lessons, swim class, on Saturday, I found out that they, they had been demoted. So they were kicked off the main stage of uh, Monsters of Mayhem and got 
dumped down to the the Radio Shack side stage. So uh, apparently because <laughs> they were too metal for the swim instructor. And I'm not sure any of us asked about about the, the, the girl and her dad. She just mentioned that the girl, the little girl will not be with us anymore. Uh, she needs to go work it out on her own with her dad and, uh, you know, get themselves right before they come to our, our swim practice. So I was wondering on the last podcast at the end if there was going to be any movement or any development. And sure enough, they got demoted to the side stage. So that's what happened with us. That's what happened with them. My daughter did not get demoted. She had a great swim practice, and this weekend there were three girls, including my daughter, and she was the only one that didn't cry. She was just nice and almost kind of sociopathic, just like staring at the other kids that were crying, uh, which sometimes they they empathize with each other and put arms around, and there's this one girl, if somebody's crying, she always like leans in and almost like tries to open mouth kiss her, which is cute and kind of gross. (laughs) <laughs> but it's just very cute. My daughter, normally pretty empathetic and a big hugger, she was just sort of like watching, like, no, nah, bitches, you're all on your own today. I'm just going to do my thing. Uh, and believe me, she is. She cries those things plenty of times. So it's just this, this week was one where she was just in a zone, had a great time. And then later in the day, I, I'm not going to talk about my daughter the whole time, Later in the day, after we ate, after we had a nap, we went to Park Pool, and my daughter, no, it was the next day, it was Sunday, and it was raining, so we were the only, there was one other family and, and there, and us, and this is Sunday, the last day that the pool, the Atlanta public pool was open uh, for the season, my daughter said she wanted to go off the diving board with me, which is, you know, a low dive, which is, I don't know, three or six feet or not six feet, three feet. I don't know. Well, you know what it is. It's, a, it's the diving board. It's a bouncy diving board at a pool, but it's the lowest one they have. So I jumped with her in my arms. We landed in the water and I treaded water and put her up above, which was like, hey, yeah, girl, you're brave as hell. Good for you. And then after that, she said she wanted to jump in by herself. So I jumped into the water and was treading water uh, at the ed- uh, underneath the diving board. And she walked to the edge of the diving board. And she's two and a half. She jumped off the diving board. And when it's happening to you, she looks a lot like the Nirvana baby with legs back and everything. And I caught her on the first one before she hit the water too hard. I mean, I kind of broke her fall because I, I saw her like about to splat. But it was really a milestone. It was really cool to see. My wife and I are like, holy shit, did you see that? And we made a video of it. And then we were like, all right, let's play it cool. And, you know, just say, hey, girl, that was really cool, but not make it seem like too big of a deal because why? I don't know, because it's self-conscious parenting. It's going to be a fucking disaster. We're like, oh, that was so awesome, but let's not make a big deal of it. Like, you should be, I don't know what we're thinking, but I think what we're really thinking, as you've probably heard me say, is she's an only child, so we just don't want to put She's going to have plenty of attentional focus and pressure on her. Not trying to weigh her down, but you got to be the best fucking diver now just because we like the way we like your balls for jumping off there. My wife said also, we have to come up with another word for her having balls. Uh, anyway, it, w- it was pretty cool to see. So, yeah, had the uh, 
had a little toddler party on Saturday where I mentioned it would have been nice to have like a Coors Light, but um, we didn't. <laughs> we didn't have a Coors Light. Um, I didn't even have a cupcake. We were in and out of there so quickly. Uh, anyway, that that was just a pickup on the last uh, the last thing. Apologies to the comics if you sat through expecting me to talk about stand up or the scene for you know thirty five minutes and uh, the update about. Uh, Pantera swimming lesson got got the old old relegation finished in the you know in the relegation zone and they're down in the championship now. Also, to also to, uh, to also to also, my mom does not have COVID as it turns out. She had like a false. She had the one off the. She was here. She went. She visited. We had a great time. She then went to Chicago to visit her sister, and because she was then going to go to a wedding, she took a test because everybody at the wedding wanted them to take tests. She took one of those store-bought tests that said, positive, you have COVID, and then uh, she was sort of in a, was it purgatory? Is that the right way to say it? She was in a bit of a holding pattern in Chicago to determine her next move, and so she went and took like one of those more effective tests they have initials in them like a ptc test i don't know what the initials are but she went and had them had that test and then she had to wait a day or two to get the result and it came back negative so i guess she had a false positive on the first test so that's good news it's good news for her good news for her because now my stepdad is not gonna you know wonder who she was running around with to get covid and uh but she didn't end up going to the wedding. Anyway, she, my mom didn't have COVID. That's the good news. Um, and also, I, I went on and on about how fucking great Limerick was last week and continues to be. I would be remiss if I didn't tell you that tonight we have another great show at Limerick Junction. What is that show, dude? Tell me about it. Well, it's interesting you mentioned that. It's a free comedy show in Virginia Highland, which is a neighborhood, a really snazzy neighborhood in Atlanta, Georgia. And Limerick Junction is an Irish pub that, you know, Irish pubs don't exactly have the most inclusive vibes <laughs> associated with them. But Limerick Junction, uh, Limerick Comedy anyway, is perhaps the most, inc- I like to think of it as one of the more inclusive, truly inclusive shows in the in the city. Everyone comes and it's been really, really fun. So you should come. It starts at nine o'clock uh, tonight as it does every Tuesday, and listen to this lineup. Making his main show debut and kicking off the show will be the hilarious Isaiah Pringle. How about that? And also making her, after Isaiah, making her debut on Limerick is Tamar Rubin. Yeah, each of them has done Lightning Round and has killed Lightning Round. And I see their grind and I see they're always around and they are nice people and I'm like, fucking let's do the show. And they're like, hell yeah, thrilled, love to. I guess that's how you get on Limerick. And I say that because uh, this is not like, I doubt anybody listening to this to figure out how you get on Limerick. So this is really just to the general audience. But I don't have a lot of pull in Atlanta comedy, but I have some. Like, not pull, I have some something, some small amount of influence or not influence. I have some small amount of access. How about that? 
an understanding of, I suppose, how access works. That's the best way to say it. I have an understanding of access. So that's really, I'm just explaining to people who are not part of comedy scenes. And invariably, people will ask, how do I get booked on that show? How do you get booked on Limerick? What's the process for getting booked on Limerick? How do you get booked? How do you get booked? And it's just an, it's a, it's, what, you know what it is? It's, it's a dialogue starter is what that is, that question. How do you get booked on Limerick? And the answer really is the same way you do on every other fucking show that exists. The person who runs it finds people they think are funny and gets them on it. But I just had a moment the other day where someone, and any, you know, oops, I knocked the microphone. Just a, an out-of-town person, you know, said, uh, how, do you get how, do I get, how do you get booked on Limerick? And I'm like, well, you know, if you're an out-of-towner, send me a note. I'll do my best to put you on. But this one person who sent me a note from out of town, like, we have no mutual friends on Facebook. We have no mutual uh, Instagram people. Like, you don't fucking do stand-up. <laughs> because I know, I know too many people, and too many people know me. And the fact that... So, anyway, just come do... But, the, but if you... That's the thing is I don't I have knowledge of access I guess, and that's the way shows work. People book people that they see a lot that they think are funny and they think are hardworking, and in in that way it's really kind of uh, I don't know if egalitarian and if they're white and male too of course, um, in that way it's kind of like egalitarian is that the right word or merit meritocratic. Not all shows. I mean, there's a fucking lot of terrible comics who get on good shows, but, you know, that's, there's a lot of, you know, shady, shitty people who get big jobs and stuff. But I, I don't know. Anyway, that's the way, that's the way stand-up comedy seems to work to me is people who run shows book people that they like, probably in this order, they like, think are funny and at least respect their effort. And that's that seems kind of fair to me. And I do the same thing. And granted, I'm not going out scouring the open mics of Atlanta and greater Atlanta, Georgia, every single night. So there are going to be people I don't see. So come do lightning round, and then I can see you and at least know that you, you exist. And I don't know. How do you get booked? Uh, but again, there's nobody, again, as I've said on previous podcasts, I don't believe there's any comic in Atlanta or any other city in the world that is criminally overlooked. There just is no Dave Attell who just nobody can, you know, find a spot for him. I just don't think it works that way. So anyway, that's how you get on Limerick. Just come to Lightning Round and let me know you exist or come to the Laughing Skull on Wednesday nights. That's, you know, that's the, the best thing I can tell you, I guess. Uh, if you are somebody who listens to this for the comedy insights and you don't feel like there are any of them, <laughs> because I don't talk about stand-up every single time, and you want, it, you want my, you want to pay me, fucking send money to Venmo at Yes Joe Smith, which I was talking with some uh, bigger comics than myself the other night, and they just put their Venmo and Cash App handles on their Instagram and Facebook, and people just send them money. That's pretty cool. So if you want to send me money, tips, as they say, tips for the podcast, 
tips for me answering your questions about stand-up and whatever I think, it's at Yes Joe Smith. Why not? Why wouldn't you want to do that? I'm, I'd be providing a service, <laughs> wouldn't I? And you know what? If you want to tip me directly and like say, hey, dude, I'll give you 100 bucks if I can do Limerick, you got it. I will. That is, the, if you're comfortable doing pay-to-play, I am comfortable too. Note that I'm not setting the policy pay-to-play. Like I'm not saying the only way you can do Limerick is to pay me 100 bucks. But if you pay me 100 bucks to do Limerick, you got it. <laughs> and you can go wherever you want in the lineup. So Isaiah Pringle is going to start the show. Tamar Rubin is going to go second. And then going third is our young old, I was going to say our old friend, our young friend, Liam Harvey, who neighbor who listens to the podcast loves and saw him at Limerick last time and thought he was hilarious. And he is. Uh, Liam Harvey's on the main show, and it's his birthday tomorrow night. So, uh, you know, he's grown and he's a man. Why don't you fucking wish him happy birthday? He likes that. <laughs> uh, Liam, maybe, you know or not, hosted Lightning Round a month or two ago. Uh, after Liam is one of my favorites, uh, Dora Monica. And then, I mean, it's just a. What are we talking about here? After Dora Monica, this lineup's ridiculous. After Dora Monica, it's Gilbert Lowend. Gilbert Lowend, one of the founders of the Atlanta Comedy Festival, Red Clay Comedy Festival. Uh, Gilbert features for Rory Scovel uh, across the country and is a Limerick regular. And then Catherine Blamford. And then Greg Barons is closing it out. So we're going to have a really fun time at Limerick. And remember, it's free. We have regular audience members. We have regular comics. And, you know, it's something that's like I, I waxed on a little bit at the end of the podcast. Again, apologies. It's something that it's it's fun to be part of. And and I think that, that other people feel the same way. So come to Limerick tonight and every Tuesday. I almost last night before I went to bed, I almost put on the movie Black. That, that's just, this will, this is some insight into the way my brain works. <laughs> I almost put on the movie Blackfish before I fell asleep. Just like, oh, I'm about to turn in. I think I'll see what SeaWorld did to uh, torture these animals to the point where they killed a trainer and then SeaWorld blamed the trainer. And then lost a mega PR war because the movie Blackfish came out. And I was like, these are the facts. <laughs> uh, that's pretty bizarre. But if I didn't mention, speaking of viewing habits, my wife and I watched the Australian documentary Hotel Cool Guardy. Did I tell you that? I know that well, back when I thought it would be really cool if I had a little uh, segment where I reviewed trailers... I watched the trip, and that was a really good idea that you can tell I followed through on. I watched the trailer for Hotel Cool Guardy. I think that's what it's called, Cool Guardy. Which was about these two Finnish backpackers who essentially, it's a documentary about these two Finnish backpackers who either were robbed or somehow ended up without any money in Australia and needed to work for a few months to get the money to go back. Which just sounds like, oh boy, how wrong could this go? And the way they got the money back was to be 
shipped out to way BFE Western Australia, a mining town, which I guess is called Coolgardie, where they would bartend for three months. But bartending, the, the expectation was a little more than you're just going to bartend. Like you're going to be TNA and you're there to entertain the locals. And it's pretty grimy, um, pretty grimy existence all around. I don't, I don't mean that like judgmental. It's just like fucking miners getting shit-faced and, you know, saying crude stuff to bartenders like, well, I'm doing this for money so I can go back home to Finland where... What is the Venn diagram overlap of Finland and Australia? <laughs> None. They don't touch. <laughs> I don't know. Attractive white people, maybe? Anyway, I, I don't know. It's uh, blue-eyed, attractive white people, maybe, is, is where they overlap. But we watched Hotel Coolgardy, and it was it was interesting. It sort of made its point after the first 25 minutes. It was not horrific. As I said, when I watched the documentary, I was... When I watched the trailer, I was afraid that there was going to be some some horrific sexual assaults of someone, and it does not seem like that happened. So I'm glad I watched. Anyway, we watched the Hotel Cool Guardy, and uh, if you're interested in what it's like to be a bartender in a mining town in Western Australia, that is the one. <laughs> it may be only one of its kind, Hotel Cool Guardy. And then we we watched something else sometime in the last couple of weeks. We watched the, if I didn't mention it, one of my favorite bands of all time, The Descendants. We watched The Descendants, an all-documentary titled Filmage or Documentaryage or something. If you look up Descendants documentary, uh, it, that was really cool. And it reminded me of being a little young, fucking angry kid looking for an outlet in punk music and et cetera, et cetera. And do you have any pets? I asked this because I noticed... Is that a segue? Do you have any pets? My dogs are getting increasingly smart at trying... At convincing my wife and me that they have not eaten. So, like, if there is a shift change, like, I'm gone. Where was I gone? Maybe I was... I don't know. Sometimes I'm gone at night. My wife's gone in the morning. Whatever the case is. In feeding them, it's, I usually feed them in the morning and at night, but they're very good at like selling the second feeding. Like, I'm s- selling, like, okay, I'll feed them, and then my wife will come home and she'll be like, Did you feed the dogs? I'm like, Yeah. She's like, Fuck, I knew it. Because they, they, I knew it, but they faked me out and they did such a nice job of it, meaning they act like they haven't eaten and they really. They really make a four-course meal out of it, no pun intended, but they, they're they all excited and like, woo, we're starving, we haven't eaten, even though Dad fed me like 35 minutes ago. And I respect their hustle, but they're also taking advantage of their mother. She's the one that usually gets fooled, to be honest with you, because I do the bulk of the feeding, not because, I don't know. But they, they before I came down to record this, they I fed them you know, 25 minutes before I started recording this, and then when I came down in the basement to record it, they were doing the same goddamn thing again. Like, hey, we're going to eat again? Like, no, you bastards. We're not. And that, so they're very they're very clever dogs. And I, I, 
I'm very fond of them and I've always been fond of dogs and needless to say my dogs especially, but never fond enough to kiss a dog in the mouth. And if you are a white listener of this program, I'd like you to know that some groups of people have a stereotype about us that states we like to kiss our dogs <laughs> in the mouth. We like to stick our tongue, we like to commingle our tongues with our dog's tongues. And I've never liked my dogs that much. I don't like to be licked by a dog. I have one dog, George Banks the dog, who is one of the top 10 dogs of all time, I'm certain. But his only weakness in his game, the only negative in his, everything's positive, he's a little bit of a little, a quick licker. He'll give you like a quick little, a quick, he's not going to sit there and just over and over like lap at you, but he will give you a few licks. I don't like to be licked by dogs. George Banks will lick you if, if you give him a shot. Also, all dogs, it seems, if you're not paying attention to what your hands are doing, if they're just resting at your side, they will come and they will stamp you with their nose. All of a sudden, they will just moisten the side of your hands. <laughs> I know their noses are very, very powerful and they just press them into everything. And I think, I think... I read once or heard once that a dog's sense of smell relative to ours is something like this, where a teaspoon of sugar in a cup of coffee is, to us, that smell, that much of it, is equivalent to a dog to a teaspoon of sugar in a Olympic-sized swimming pool. That's what I, and you might be like, fuck you. That's campy. That's what I believe to be the case. That's how strong their sense of smell is. I don't know. But I've never loved a dog enough to French it, to make out with it. And I'll tell you why. Because a dog literally does everything. First of all, what do we know each other? I mean, I have lots of male and female friends that Hugs are perfect. I would be horrified Frenching, putting... French kissing is pretty gross, to, to tell you the truth. And young people are like, no, it's dramatic. I get it. When you're young and you're not as concerned about being gross, fucking go for it. But when you get older, like me, you're like, it's, you know. I'm not saying it's gross, like, judgmentally, and if it's your thing... I mean, there are lots of things if you stop... What I'm saying is this, if you stick your mouth in other parts of people's bodies, I'm not sure that's any more disgusting, more or less disgusting than sticking your tongue in someone's mouth. You know what I'm saying? Does that make that clear? <laughs> I think sticking your tongue in someone's mouth is no more or less dodgy than sticking it in any other part of their body. And I think that's, I think I stand by that. I'm just coming up with that right now. And now that I think about it, I actually have a, a small a small part of a much larger bit that's actually almost a chunk now um, where I talk about, you know, French kissing, uh, what is it? French kissing 
and also like people are like I don't want to burn any material, dude. This is like one line out of seven thousand. French kissing is kind of like listening or dancing to it's like dancing to reggae music. French kissing. It's kind of a cool phase most people go through when they're younger, but pretty creepy when old white people do it. And that's, I think there's some truth in that, you know? And then I was like, hey, one love, brah, no. <laughs> I drive a Saab and I listen to Bob Marley Legend. The starter kit for reggae. Anyway, I, there are lots of people that I would not, that I love and hug all the time and would not want to put my tongue any, or have them put their tongue anywhere near mine. And I feel the same way about my dogs. Except the difference between those people, as far as I know, and my dogs, is I know for certain all the different uses my dogs get out of their tongues. All the different functions, if you will. The utility, yeah. All the different functions my dog's tongues perform for them. Let's think about them. <laughs> well, let's fucking throw up while we're eating breakfast, uh, trying to work while we're listening to this podcast. Okay, they eat and drink with their tongues, right? But they also eat and drink fucking anything. Like, their dogs can eat shit. Dogs eat off the floor. Dogs... One of my dogs is more fond of drinking water that is collected in a mud puddle in the backyard than he is fond of drinking out of the water bowl that I fill with fresh and glistening cool water for him. So just the eating and drinking is pretty rough. But then you consider the way you use toilet paper is how, how, how do I say it? The way you use toilet paper, the purpose for which you use toilet paper is the same purpose a dog finds his tongue is perfectly suitable. A dog will give himself the business on his hole for hours. Not hours, that's pretty gross. But, and I, I mean, that's also really adaptive. Like, I don't need toilet paper, I don't need anything. I'm just going to stick my head down here and clean myself up. So that's that's a bit, I guess though, now that I, uh, yeah, but I don't want to stick my mouth or have anybody, human beings, stick their mouths, tongues in mine either. It's the equivalent, I guess, of how people use art. Like I say, if you put your tongue in someone else's mouth, why not just stick it down there uh, <laughs> in the great beyond, in the the dark parts? <laughs> oh, bless. And then the same place where you put the toilet paper, the dog uses that as a drinking fountain. And it's just too much. I don't think I, I I just don't want to interact with my dog that way. But now, I don't want to ever do it because I don't want to fulfill the stereotype. That's part of me resisting every, every control designation or whatever it is. I'm not going to fit the stereotype, even though I do all the time. I'm confident. Whew. All right, come to Limerick tonight, and I'll talk to you on Friday.